You're listening to Simply Disciples, a discipleship podcast designed to help Deer Creek Church think and act faithfully in a changing world. Today we're asking the question, can we really know God? Uh, Over the next two weeks, we'll be exploring that question together. And whenever I do think about that question, my mind goes immediately to Bertrand Russell. Bertrand Russell was this prominent British philosopher in the 20th century. He was an atheist, and he was a fierce skeptic of Christianity. And there's a story about Bertrand Russell when he was giving a public lecture somewhere or other defending his atheism. A woman came up to him after and said at the end of his lecture, Lord Russell, what will you say when you stand in front of the throne of God on Judgment Day? And Russell replied to her, I will say, I'm terribly sorry, God, but you did not give enough evidence. Aldous Huxley, he's the author of Brave New World. He said essentially the same thing. He was the first to actually coin that term that we're all familiar with now, agnostic, which simply means that the human mind is unable to know anything that is beyond the natural world. So in other words, God hasn't made himself known to the average observer. If he expects us to believe in him, then there just simply isn't enough evidence of his existence because he hasn't revealed himself clearly enough. And because our minds are unable to know anything beyond the natural world, we just can't say we really know anything about God. Christians, on the other hand, we've always held that God has revealed himself. And because of that, he can be known. In fact, God has made himself known clearly and explicitly throughout history and even today. So the Belgic Confession of Faith, this was a statement of faith, a statement of Christian theology from the 16th century. It put it well when it said, we all believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that there is a single and simple spiritual being whom we all call God, eternal, invisible, unchangeable, infinite, almighty, completely wise, just, and good, and the overflowing source of all good. And we know this God because he has revealed himself to us in two ways. First, by the creation, preservation, and government of the universe, since the universe is before our eyes like a beautiful book in which all creatures, great and small, are like letters to make us ponder the things of God. And second, he makes himself known to us more openly by his holy and divine word, as much as we need in this life for his glory and for the salvation of men. So in other words, God, as Christians believe, has revealed himself through two books, the book of creation, the book of scripture, and it's through these two means that God has clearly revealed himself. So let's open up this conversation today. We have Aaron Ellis with us. Aaron is worship director at Deer Creek Church. Say hi, Aaron. Hello. And Tim Rehnquist, our executive pastor, joining us. Tim. Hey, everybody. And I'm Daniel Nealon. I'm the lead teaching pastor here at Deer Creek Church. So guys, how would you answer this question? Can we really know God? Yes. And I agree with the Belgic Confession. End of podcast. <laughs> yeah, yes. podcast over. <laughs> All right. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I do appreciate the way that the Belgic Confession um, talks about this concept of the two books. I think that's beautifully uh, put in the first of those two books being creation and the second of that being the very word of God. Um I also think I'm reminded of the Westminster Confession as well um, that talks about 
the light of nature and the works of creation, the providence um, being what manifests the goodness and wisdom and the power of God, and which leaves men without excuse. So what, what's going on in the Westminster Confession is it's making a distinction, a distinction between the two ways which God reveals himself. The first is what we call general revelation, mm-hmm. and the second is special revelation. Yeah, so general revelation, special revelation, first book, second book. Uh, well, since you brought both those terms up, Aaron, I think it'd be really helpful. You, you mentioned general revelation, special revelation. Those are the two ways he reveals himself. As you think about that first one, general revelation, there's a reason that it's called that. Uh, it's general because it's revealed to everyone generally, right? So it, it doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter your IQ. It doesn't matter whether you are 80 years old or eight years old. God reveals himself generally to all people through the book of nature or creation. That's what we mean by general revelation. Right. What it's doing is that it is creation, nature is revealing that there is a God to be known. Yeah, and there's a couple places we actually see this in Scripture. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is is actually in the Psalm, Psalm 19. Um, and it begins with this. It says, the heavens declare, this is this language of declaring or speaking, the glory of God. And the sky above, again, creation proclaims his handiwork, at day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. This is this picture of creation, speaking, declaring, sharing knowledge. We can see this, everyone generally, everywhere across all time can look to creation and see something about God. Yeah, I also think of Acts chapter 14, uh, verse 17, where um, it says, yet he did not leave himself without witness, speaking of God, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. So these things of nature and creation are what witness, they function as a witness to God and his existence. Yeah. And, you know, it's helpful too. So what you guys are saying is we look outside of ourselves, we look at the stars we look at the things of creation, and in a real sense, we can say it's like the stars are speaking to us from God. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. God is speaking through his creation. It also makes me think God is also speaking internally to us as well. Paul makes this clear in Romans chapter 2, verse 15, and he's talking about Gentiles. Gentiles uh, were those who were not Jews. They were people who had not received God's law on Mount Sinai. Uh, during uh, the time of Moses. And speaking about the Gentiles, Paul says that the Gentiles show that the work of law is written on their hearts while their conscience bears witness and their thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day, according to my gospel, when God judges the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. So in summary, what he's saying is, hey, God's not only speaking to us in creation outside of us, He's also actually speaking in our conscience because he's written his law, what he expects from us, right and wrong. He actually wrote those things on our heart. And that helps us make sense too of what we mean when we say we're made in the image of God. God has actually written on our heart his morality, 
the difference between right and wrong, the difference between good and evil. He's actually put that inside of us. So he's, he's speaking to us internally by that way as well. Um, so maybe somebody would hear this and they'd say, well, yeah, general revelation. I, I can see that. That makes sense. So that's all I need. Okay. That's, that's the way God reveals himself. I'm going to go enjoy a walk in the mountains, experience God. That's all I need. I don't need anything else. And I'd say, no, that's not true. Why? <laughs> Well, Tell me why. That's good. Great question. Well, that's because what, gen- what, what general revelation does is that it, it reveals that there is a God to be known, mm-hmm. and that's, that's what it does. Um, but let's go back to Romans chapter 1, verse 18, because there the Apostle Paul reveals what we do with this knowledge that's been revealed. It says this. In general revelation. In yep. general revelation. Yep. yep. God reveals himself <laughs> through general revelation, and this is what we do with this. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So, what do we do with this knowledge? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we, we suppress the truth. Hold it down. Yeah, we hold it down by our unrighteousness. So even though God reveals himself to everyone, we're all prone to, to suppress that truth. Yeah, it's kind of like you have a beach ball in the pool, and it's there. It's floating on the surface. Everybody sees it. And what we do with that is we jump on top of it, and we try and push it down underwater so nobody can see it. That. That's what we typically do with general revelation. And Paul even continues, right? Because he says that we suppress that in our unrighteousness. We suppress the truth. And he continues by saying, because what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. His invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since of the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So everyone is without excuse. It's very clear that God is the God of the universe if you look out at creation. And uh, earlier you mentioned atheists and agnostics, those who either deny the existence of God or say we can't really know much of anything about Mm -hmm. him. And I think that's a great example of suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. If you you look around at the world around you, everything that is started somewhere. It was created. The, The world that we live in is created by God and yet we suppress that truth, and we want to say, well, it just is. It just came to mm-hmm. be, it just happened to be, when in reality, we don't actually think that about anything. But in this case, we, we don't want God to be God. We want to be God. And so we suppress the truth about him, and, and we say things that are so silly as if it just is. Yeah. It just was. It just became. And not trying to even give a reason why, because we're suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. Yeah. I think of this... Uh you know, in interactions with just interpersonally, like I think of my relationship with my wife, Hannah, when I know I'm in the wrong, my first instinct as a sinner is to suppress the fact that I'm wrong. Yeah. You hide. Right. I hide and I actually press that down, even though I know now I'm guilty. My conscience is screaming at me. And what I do is I go up to the volume button on my conscience and I just turn it down to zero. And I suppress that truth instead of letting that soak in and be a reality in my own heart. Uh, that I am a sinner. So it's important, you know, everything we've talked about so far, especially in Romans 1, uh, creation and our conscience, they can only tell us so much, right? You said this, Aaron, the general revelation tells us that there's a God that can be known, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And when we look at general revelation, we can know certain things. God's powerful. He's a creator. 
He's obviously wise. He's good. He's a just God, right? That's why he wrote the law in our heart. Um, but as important as that is, it, it's just not enough necessarily. But Aaron, maybe before we get to that, what can general revelation tell us about ourselves? Right. Yeah. It actually tells us a lot about ourselves. And if we're honest with ourselves, uh, not a single one of us can say that we have kept the law that's been written on our hearts, Mm -hmm. that we can, that we, none of us can say that we've kept that perfectly. Uh, We stand, uh, I think if we really reflect honestly, we realize that we stand guilty. Um, uh, of breaking that law. So nobody can look at their life and say, you know what? I have perfectly perfectly kept this moral law that's written on my heart. Um, I think of an example. uh, If if you were to take a, a small computer chip or an SD card, if you will, and place that inside of, uh, inside of us. And um, if you were to record all of our thoughts, words, deeds, actions, all those things, I think we would all be ashamed and really embarrassed of what was oh, actually yeah. recorded. I, we would not want anyone to see it because it would be all be examples of how we fail to keep any sort of moral law. And, that, and, and what we're talking about, again, is, is the, the moral law that's been revealed to us and that's been written on our hearts in general yeah. revelation. Yeah, and, and I think uh, if you were to record everything I thought in a given week, let's say, or all of my given actions, and you were to show that to people uh, that I don't really know well, I would think, okay, they'd see that. They'd think I'm a pretty bad person. Mm-hmm. I can live with myself because yeah. I don't really know those people. Right. But then I think, well, what if you were going to show that to my grandma? Yeah. My grandma's a, a nice woman. I have a relationship with her. I'd probably want to never look my grandma in the eye again because she's she's just a, a good, nice, sweet old lady. Then when I think of God, God who is all good, yeah, perfectly righteous, perfectly holy, that then shows me, whoa, not only am I a bad person, I'm actually guilty before a divine judge who sees right through me. And that's a, that's a pretty terrifying thought, enough of a terrifying thought that I would want to suppress the truth of that God to ease my own conscience. And Tim, I mean, you're, you're a terrible person. So I, I mean, was thinking I yeah. work with some really awful people. <laughs> so you wow. know exactly what we're feeling. Wow, yeah. <laughs> Tim, uh, yeah, totally. I don't know anything about that. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just suffice it to say, nobody wants that computer chip. No, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. All right. So just to summarize, yes, we can know God. He's revealed himself in general revelation. And so far, you know, we've only touched on that part, general revelation, uh, general revelation is the idea God has revealed himself in creation and conscience. We've looked at passage of the passages of the Bible that, that prove that Psalm 19, Romans one. So maybe one last question here, because I hear this a lot and, uh, I'm sure others have heard this too. What would you say to a person who says, you know, I, I just connect with God in nature. I, I don't need anything else. I don't need the Bible or anything else. That's when I really feel God's presence. What would you say to that person? That's a really popular sentiment, especially where we live, right? In Colorado, where we do have beautiful, beautiful displays of creation in the mountains and the trees. Um, It's part of the reason why our attendance on Sunday mornings is so low during the fall season (laughs) over the leaf keeping season. It's so pretty. It's so beautiful. And I mean, it is beautiful. I mean, I'm not even here on 
on those Sundays. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, they can lead themselves in song and preaching. That's right. Um, but you are right. You actually can. I want to just affirm that. You actually can connect with God in nature. Yeah. That is true. It's a good thing to affirm. Yeah. But you definitely need something else because creation, nature, God's glory displayed and in, in all the beauty that surrounds us, they are not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and of his will, which is necessary unto salvation. That's a quote from the Westminster Confession. Those, they're not sufficient. And Tim, you had a great analogy about this when we were talking earlier. Yeah, I was thinking about this, you know, the saying, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. That's not mm-hmm. a very good, like, health insurance plan yeah, or, uh, you know, right. approach to medicine. Um, like, that's a good idea. It's an good, apple a day. Apple, an apple is a good thing. Fruits and, and you know, vegetables are a good thing. Uh, but as the totality of a plan for your health, um, that, that's not a good approach. So uh, mm-hmm. in, in the same way, I think we can enjoy God's creation. It's a wonderful gift that he has given us. It's, it's a good gift that he has given us as our good God. But we need more than that. We, we need other resources uh, that come to bear on our, on our souls and on our lives uh, that help uh, lead us in this faith and help us to grow and mature. Yeah, I think that's really a really helpful way to think about it. And maybe tying this all back together, uh, a helpful way to think about this is when you look at general revelation, it really does reveal God as a judge an all-powerful judge who created, and it reveals to us that we're sinners. That's all you get. That's all you get from general revelation. And if that's all you get, that's pretty hopeless. Um, You can experience like the awe and wonder of God's powerful creation, but you are guilty before this God and we all know it. Only special revelation, only the book of scripture gives us a distinct message where God is not just judge, but he's our father. And we are not just sinners, but we are his children. You can only get that if you go beyond general revelation and you start dipping into special revelation or scripture, that second book that God's revealed, which we're going to talk a lot about next time. But maybe another way to, to think about this as we close here, uh, when people look out at creation, the reason it's not enough is because for instance, as awe-inspiring as the ocean is, it can never tell you that God sent his son to die for you. As beautiful as the foliage in the fall of Colorado is, it can never tell you to repent. It can never tell you about the grace of God extended through Jesus Christ. So if we only have nature creation, we're hopeless and we're going to find ourselves one day before a holy and just judge as sinners and receive the judgment and punishment we deserve. So we need something more. So to summarize this, Chad Van Dixhorn says, the most thoughtful or meditative person will not find true hope by looking within. And that's an important thing we need to know in our in our day and age where everyone mm-hmm. is told look inside yeah mm-hmm. and no explorer will find the way to eternal life merely by traveling through this wide creation human wisdom has its boundaries there they are not sufficient to give that knowledge of god and of his will 
which is necessary for salvation. We need more than that. Yeah, we yeah. need the message of the gospel. We need special revelation. That's a good place to stop for now because next week we're going to pick up on that and dive into special revelation, dive into the Bible, because as you noted, Tim, we need something else. And as the Belgic Confession said, we need another book. We need the book of scripture because it tells us not just who God is generally as creator, but it also tells us that we have a savior through special special revelation. So that's good. We'll leave it there. Deer Creek, we hope you enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for listening in. Join us next next week on Simply Disciples when we'll finish answering this question, can we really know God? By looking at that second book, Revelation, Special Revelation, the book of Scripture. See you then.